1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 60 cents podcast. I'm your host, Lucas, with Jonathan. Jonathan, we just got done watching the Sixers' second preseason game, and it was another essentially back to back for us, anyway, not in terms of days, but in terms of matchups against the Boston Celtics. Sixers lost this one again. The score was 112 to 101. Sixers were missing Joel Embiid, James Harden, Daniel House, and Quirk The two Jays didn't play for Boston, along with a couple other guys. Let me ask you this. What was the good for the Sixers out of this loss?
2: Yo, know, the good for me was Kelly Oubre. Uh, Kelly Oubre is – we know he's a bucket. Yeah, his uh, – I will say I'm going to acknowledge the minus 14 plus minus. But he put up 18 points had two blocks – looked good out there we know he can score at will i really like that we added him because we lost shake who was my favorite person of getting to the rim at will and created their own shot off the bench i think that's mm. a valuable skill to have so i thought Ubre did great played 22 minutes and six of eight, four of six from three he just looked good all around and we talked about tyrese didn't have his best game but he he's good like clearly this was his game because joel and harden aren't there he's running the show uh, he looked good enough, and I think Paul Reed improved a little bit. How about you? What do you think was good? So
1: there's a few players that I want to talk about that was good. Uh, in terms for the Sixers, three point percentage was pretty good as a team, thirty six percent. Few players that I want to highlight here. First off, I want to give out some love to Paul Reed. Still couldn't hit a three, but at least he could actually make some baskets. Showed some energy and did not get into foul trouble this game. Tyrese Maxey. You know, he's still only averaging around three and a half assists a game in the preseason, which is not good. But he's playing without Joel and Harden. And the starting five does not really lend itself to much offensive punch outside of Tyrese and uh, Tobias. That being said, he still had two steals in this game and looked really good attacking. Like he he looks a step faster than everybody else on the court. And that's good. He's going to be able to get his own bucket. Now, turning to the bench. I want to give out some love to Danny Green. He, he I mean, he still moves like molasses now, but at least his offense was there, and he still had three steals on top of that. Makes me feel a little bit better about Danny Green. Kelly Oubre, like you said, looked really good. Had two blocks. Let's not underestimate that. Yeah, he that's what I Yeah, I mean, if he can be an impact player on the defensive end, at least, like, not a negative. You know, maybe maybe there's a place for him to get even more minutes than just a spark plug off the bench. Uh, De'Anthony Melton made his uh, preseason debut. He, you know, he stuffed the stats. sheets, not really good shooting wise. Ten points on five of ten, five two of five from downtown, but had one steal, two blocks, still four fouls, not great. Jaden Springer. I look, I mean, the guy looks good. I mean, he didn't have any de- quote unquote defensive stats, but I don't think he looked terrible defensively and offensively was solid efficient. So that's, that's pretty much where I'm at on that. Uh, we can't, I, I will say this, Boston, they're going to be hitting threes like they did were at the beginning of the game. It's going to be hard for anybody to catch up and beat them. Even without the two J's they're starting five where there were, there was only one player that did not shoot. About 40% or above from the three-point line in that starting five. And that was Drew Holiday and he still won one of three. So like Boston's gonna be scary. We 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 need to figure out what we're doing in terms of you know terms of offense because clearly that starting five with Dal Joel and Harden does not have enough offense. But there are some goods to take away from that. So what are some bads for
2: you? Yeah, I think you touched on the bad the perimeter shooting, and I think I said it last game, and I think it's just continued to be seen. I mean, our perimeter defense and our guarding guards who can shoot has never been a never been a strength, and even our bench can't do it. So I think that like that's just my big takeaway. You said before the podcast, like Peyton Pritchard lit lit us up two nights in a row. I mean, yeah, how does that happen? I mean, I think it's just again we struggle with shifty, quick guards on the perimeter, and we haven't had good. Perimeter defense lockdown since like Ben and Matisse, D'Anthony Melton and Maxie can play decent defense, but nothing that you're going to write home about. So I just think that our perimeter D is going to struggle. How about you?
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think the perimeter defense is the biggest issue. Luckily, I don't think yeah Por, uh, Porzingis didn't take advantage of the size mismatch that he had in this game. Sixers were able to hold him in check for the most part. Besides that, I mean. I'm looking at the players here. You know, Tucker is still pretty much, you know, non-factor offensively. Tobias had an off night offensively. Mo Bamba looks lost. Like that, you know, he signed a minimum and now we know why he signed a minimum. So I, you know, I agree with you. I just wanted to point out some players too that, that I'm kind of worried about. We'll see what happens there, but. Who is the player of the game for you, for this of the I'm, Sixers players?
2: I'm going with Kelly Oubre, like I said, to start the show. I just think that he showed that he can knock down shots. I mean, there was an article on the site where it was saying, should we be concerned with him saying that like he wants to get minutes, get his shots up, something about that. Like That was the, the gist of what the article was saying. Like He's confident in himself. He's coming here because he thinks he can contribute and get points. And he showed tonight that he should definitely be getting minutes off the bench. So good for him. You know what?
1: I'm half tempted to say Kelly Oubre, but I'm gonna take a left turn here. Okay. Go with Paul Reed. In 22 minutes, he had 10 points on efficient shooting, seven rebounds, two offensive rebounds, five assists, and two steals. Yeah. And five he's five
0: assists, to uh, yeah.
1: pass out of the post like Embiid. And I don't know if you saw, but he he attacked off the dribble, got to the uh, to the foul line, and threw a lob to Kelly Oubre. I didn't see that fly. Yeah, it was pretty good. So on that note, Jonathan, we got to get to, of course, none other than. James Harden. Exactly. Yes.
2: Yeah, you were setting me up. So let's just Uh, hit it off the top with a quick question. I'm curious on your thoughts of if the trade is going to happen soon. Like last podcast, we talked about some conversations heating up the Clippers wanting it to happen like do you think that this trade will happen soon and I guess I'll say soon as in the next what do they kick off in 14 days so two weeks
1: I hope so I don't have a clear answer but I, I hope so for my for my emotional well-being I already have enough going on outside of basketball that I, I need to focus on and that needs my emotional energy i do not need james harden drama to be taken away from my emotional energy as well so preach yeah it needs to happen it needs to, happen I, hope to it happen. I, hope I hope it happens i hope it happens but tonight. i i hope it happens tonight before this podcast comes out and this whole entire thing that we're about to say is going to be completely useless i so. would
2: love that i i did tell you i thought like as we're publishing these articles like people contributors writing articles going up it's like If these don't get reviewed, like, is he, like, if these don't get published quick, is he going to get traded? But the, you brought to my attention, I did not catch this on ESPN today. So, Doc Rivers was on NBA Today with Malika Andrews. Interesting conversation they had. A few interesting quotes came out of that. I was uh, surprised when you sent me over the clip. So, first up, they asked him about his relationship with Harden. That's like straight up. She said, How's your relationship with Harden? His response was, It wasn't bad. It wasn't good pretty much neutral. It was an honest relationship at the end of the day. I was very honest. I really believe there's ways you have to play to win. And obviously I was never willing to compromise on that. It's a relationship A relationship of communication. I can tell you we we talked when we needed to talk all the time. What are your thoughts on that? I think
1: that's an honest take. I don't look. I think that the thing that we know about Doc is that he's stubborn and the phrase that sticks out to me is i really believe there's a way you have to play to win obviously and i'm never going to compromise and i think that's where him and james harden got the disconnect and there yep. was another part there was another part where doc and i didn't put this in the quotes when i was making the agenda but there's another part where doc said players are always going to want to play their style Sometimes you got to get them to not play their st- style in order to win and that goes back to this and I think that's that's where the disconnect was. I believe that they didn't have a bad relationship. I just don't think they were super close either, you know. It was a professional yeah. relationship. I think that's that's the way to put it and I believe Doc w- what he says here.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So then when he was talking about um James asking for a trade request, he said, "I don't know if I saw it coming cuz I didn't think because I did think that they would all figure it out. Obviously, once you saw James opt in, you knew there was trouble in paradise. You just knew it. I believe he believed that he was going to get taken care of at some point. He didn't, and he's upset. And the Sixers are thinking more team-wise and future-wise in what they want to do. Thoughts there?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we all thought that the Sixers were going to take care of James. And when, when he opted out, I think we all, you know, all thought the little siren in our heads were going off. I think that's a fair take. And uh, yeah, I I don't really have much else to say to that.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think that's exactly what James was saying. I think he's just laying it out. Like that's what he believes, but it takes us to the last quote, which is really interesting. So he was, he was asking him about, or sorry, she Malik Andrews was asking doc directly What do you think about him calling James a liar? So love hitting him with the hard-hitting question. She said – he said, it surprised me only from the point that James, who has had a long relationship with Daryl, it surprised me in that way. I do know a little bit that I just am not going to share some of that. But I do know that James believes what he believes, and it's hard to talk him away from that. What do you think there? So – I I think uh
1: James is now officially not the only one taking shots at Daryl Morey this offseason. I I honestly believe that because let, let's read what he said again. It surprised me only from the point that James who has had a long relationship with Daryl it surprised surprised me that way. So what I think Doc is indirectly saying here is that he agrees with James that Daryl is a liar. Yep, I I think that's look. Doc is never a subtle guy. He's trying to be subtle here. It's not working, and I honestly believe, I I really do, Jonathan, that he believes that Daryl Morey is also a liar now. Why, you know, and like I said, he he doesn't want to share what he knows, which makes us think that, yeah, you definitely know something. We want to know it now. You shouldn't have said anything because now we think that this statement has layers to it that it may or may not have had if you didn't say that part. So I, yeah, I, I mean, think, yeah, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, you're right. Like the implication of it, I, I told you also off air, I hate when coaches or anyone says like, oh, I know stuff that I'm not going to say. It's like, yeah, we already know you know stuff. You don't have to like tease it and then not say anything. But I agree that the way he phrased it, it was almost as if like multiple people have this opinion or, or have thought this. And he's just surprised it came out of James' mouth. And I think that's incredibly interesting. Well, let's let's talk about it. What, would you be surprised if you're in charge
1: of a team and you have to make cold business calculated decisions that sometimes you may have to lie to get to where you need to go
2: no but i i'd be surprised if a lot if multiple people had this opinion about him because yeah i mean we don't know him personally but i just don't he doesn't come off as that guy and i've never heard about anything like this before he was like super appeasing
1: to james okay 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 to james yes let's talk about the other players that james used to play with you remember how it ended with Carmelo Anthony? A phone call while they were in the hotel room. James okay, didn't what, know about it. Chris Paul didn't know about Was this when
2: Carmelo it. was on the on the Rockets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes.
1: He was I know that, he was tr- Okay, trash. okay. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You treat your superstars like you treat your, your bench players. That's my okay. philosophy. Fair fair enough? Okay, so, sure. So I know Daryl. We know Daryl doesn't do that, but Carmelo Anthony, future Hall of Famer, is he's a top seventy-five player, right? Is he a top
2: seventy-five, Carmelo? Yeah, yeah, he should be absolutely. Okay. Anyway,
1: he he's a future Hall of Famer. How Daryl handle that? Along with you know, he kind of just shipped Dwight out. He kind of just shipped Chris Paul out without any warning, with you know. I'm not saying that Daryl's a liar, but is he cold and calculated?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, there's a difference. There's like an absolute difference there, though. Like, I agree. Maybe he didn't handle those situations the best, but that doesn't mean he's a liar. This just kind of shocks me that Doc didn't, like, he qualified it this way. I think
1: I would love to see, I would love to get a behind-the-scenes view It'd just be a fly on the wall back last summer when they were negotiating this current deal for James Harden. That's yeah, that's I mean, I what think I we think.
2: know what happened. I think he he was told he was gonna get a contract. I'm pretty sure that happened. Could have been. Honestly, we don't
1: know. But it's just it adds another layer to this. And I wonder, does this help
2: or hurt trade talks? Because, I actually don't think it affects it too much. I mean, I think you that know? other GMs are going to believe that he's going to be honest with them. Like, I don't think like, I don't think other GMs are going to think he's going to do bad business in trading them. If they want Harden, they're still going to go for him, I think.
1: Okay, okay, we'll see, we'll see. But let's go ahead and sh- switch gears now. And we're going to talk about the ESPN top 100 ranking of players. We're not going to go through all these because – honestly not not our article not our website not our article not our time but we are going to talk about the six players here so I'm going to tell you so they've released 10 through uh, I mean sorry one they've released 100 through 11 so they got it all the way from 100 to the top 11 and then they they they're gonna release the top 10 I think probably after this podcast released on uh, tomorrow Thursday but So there are three Sixers in the top 100 listed so far. We have Tobias Harris at 83, James Harden at 43, and Tyrese Maxey at 42. Love that. And so so let's just talk about that. We'll talk about Joel here in a second, but what are your reactions? Are they in the right place? The Tyrese and James dynamic here is obviously something we got to talk about. Let's talk about Tobias first. Is Tobias in the right place?
2: I think so. I mean, I did not read through all these, but he's probably in that range of 70 to 90. So I think that's a good spot. What about you?
1: Yeah, I I tend to agree. Um, I'm making a top 100 list myself for the website. And I'm going to say that in terms of where I have Tobias, it's not far off. Okay. So just a little teaser there. So yeah, and I think the there was only one player that you could debate with me whether or not he should be ahead of and the player directly ahead of him is uh Cam Johnson. And I don't know if I would Yeah, think, they're comparable. Uh, they're comparable. They're comparable, but they're they play different styles. They yeah, have different they do. styles of play. Cam Johnson's more of a two-way player. Tobias can do a little bit more off the dribble, you know, that type of stuff. So now we get to the juicy stuff. James Harden, who averaged 21-10 and 10 last season, would have been an all-star if he wasn't such a pouty-pants about it, is 43 on this list, and Tyrese Maxey, the third, the entering his fourth season, is 42. What do we make of this?
2: all right, so I don't want to get in the Harden versus Maxi, but this is what I'll say. I think Maxi's probably relatively in the right area. I think he, you could probably put him up near thirty-five, but like that's probably as high as you can go for right now. James, I, I love that story that um, about Adam Silver like calling James to be an All Star and he didn't answer. So like that that was just phenomenal when that news came out. That's one of my favorite things. Just mm-hmm. considering that, like. All stars are what the top 25 players in the league like to put him at 43 after coming off leading the league in assists and like he won two games in Boston. Yeah, we know the rest of the playoffs were not good, but I'm just saying, all things considered, 43 kind of feels like disrespect. Uh, I don't know if it's like projecting and like he's getting old and like I don't know if any off the court stuff comes in, but yeah, I just thought that Maxi's probably in the relative range. I think Harden, strictly based off stats, which is hard for me to look at it because I know I'm biased being a Sixers fan, strictly based off stats, think it's a little disrespectful. How about you?
1: So I agree with you on Maxi. I think for, uh, 50 to about 40, 40 to 35 is probably correct. Uh, I, I think that, it, you know – even if you were projecting on the high end for him this season, I, I think that would be a fair range to have him in. I think it's slightly disrespectful to James, but, you know, these these aren't players. These are news reporters that are making these rankings. And, you know, they're quote-unquote experts. So I think part of it is that these, these people are kind of done with James, James' shenanigans. And I think they're holding playoff failures against him. I think that's how you have to, because now he's, I mean, look, yes, he averaged a heck of a lot more assists than Tyrese Maxey, but he wasn't nearly as efficient as an offensive player as Tyrese. And you can make the argument in terms of scoring explosion that uh, Tyrese was probably more in a quote unquote explosive score in terms of like being able to put up big numbers in a short amount of time. James can't really do that anymore, in my opinion. Not saying that he can't do it over the course of a game, but Tyrese Maxey can like, take over a six-minute span and get like 15 points in that time. James Harden, I don't really see that anymore from him. So, I think it's a little bit of that, but I think they're kind of projecting him to take a step back. And if he gets traded to the Clippers, like everybody's saying he will, then how is he going to average even 20 points a game with both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George "Quote unquote healthy."
2: Wait, so yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't know how that happens, but so you are under the impression that this was kind of projecting more so than like based on last year.
1: Well, I I didn't read their their analysis behind it. Maybe we should have done that before this, but and I I mean I can do that real quick right now. But I think the point here is that I think it is slightly, I think it is slightly based on you know projections for the season. But overall, all right,
2: I got a question. I I don't know. Uh,
1: Okay. Yeah. Ask it. Ask it.
2: Well, just, it just, I just thought about this when you said that, uh, you, when he's going to go over there, if they're getting like 20 points or putting up like shots, Paul, George and Kawhi, that is how's James going to feel? Did you hear that? Did you hear that nugget that Stephen a dropped like unconfirmed? So I want to put that out there, like completely unconfirmed, or this was from, a really reliable source, but it was unconfirmed. Oh, I, from- I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. And tell the, tell so, the people. Tell also, them people. I was just going to say to lead that, I think that this tells you that he would not be okay with that in the Clippers, in Los Angeles. But the quote that Stephen A. was saying was that they, Houston Rockets, met with James Harden with the intention to sign him to a four-year max contract. This is what Stephen A. was told, and. They were having him come in to meet. Ime Adoka had already been hired, so this was like him going to sign off on this. And apparently, he came in. Harden came in with the attitude of like, "I'm going to return to like being a the lead, leading, scoring, or, or up that way." And essentially, he talked himself out of a max contract. This was again one of those stories. I was like, "This is incredible!" Like the scoop, like for someone to find this. If this is true, this is honestly remarkable. So. Essentially, someone was going to give him like $200 million to go back to Houston, the city he wanted to. And he talked himself out of it by trying to say he wants to be this like revert back to his old self, which no one in the league clearly wants him to do that anymore. So I don't think he all that's to say, I do not think he'd be okay in L.A. if that's the thing. I think he I think it would cause issues because I think he's going to try and get his shots up.
1: Well, this comes to a bigger issue, but before I address that, I do want to clarify a few things. So in that quote that Stephen A. Smith, they did not actually meet in person because James Harden opted in to be opted into the Sixers contract prior to the start of free agency. So what I think the implications are there is that there were some backdoor communications, which is considered tampering. Tampering. Shout out. Yep. Tampering by the Houston Rockets. About James Harden trying to. But the communication part of what you said is correct. I just want to correct the context of it is that that communication had to have happened before James Harden opted into that contract. And that contract opt-in was before free agency. So I am saying that I believe based off of Steve A. Smith's comment that there was in fact tampering going on. And I'm surprised yeah, I, nobody I, I else mean, is way really talking.
2: Just, the way yeah, you present that timeline, it has to be right.
1: Yeah, so I'm surprised the NBA is not looking into this, but whatever. You know, clearly they, they don't want to help us out. Um, but going back to my bigger point here, if assuming that you're right about this, if he could, does get traded to, uh, to the Clippers and he has the same attitude where he does not want to be the facilitator. And by the way, Ty Lue is a disciple of Doc Rivers. You don't think that Ty Lue is going to have the same attitude about, you know, play your role. Because he certainly does. Now, don't get me wrong. He lets all-stars be all-stars. But James, to his own detriment, is not an all-star right now. So, and honestly, here's a hot take for you. I think the Clippers are better off with Russell Westbrook as their point guard than James Harden.
2: I don't think that's a hot take. Or maybe it is, and I hold the same hot take with you. Because, look, Russell Westbrook kept them in that playoff
1: series after Kawhi went down because I look Westbrook has had that time to accept that he's not the MVP caliber player he used to be that humbling experience with the Lakers has brought him to that point now he can play like that if he has to but I think his personality the way that he pushes the pace is exactly what the Clippers need and he's healthy. He's healthier than James has been recently. And he's so. self,
2: selfless.
1: Yeah. And you could make an argument. Who's the better passer? Because they both let the league get assists. And right now. I, I think it's Harden right now. Right now, yes. But is it that big of a gap? The only thing that Harden does better than Russ is shoot the ball. But do you really need that much shooting? When you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? No. So, I'm not saying that they wouldn't, get, they wouldn't get better with James Harden, but in terms of how I would want to run the offense, honestly, I'd be have if the, the skill gap, which I don't think there is a big gap, because I think Westbrook's been asked to play a different role the last couple of years versus Harden, is not that big between them. And I don't we know that they can't play together if they have a traditional big, which the Clippers do.
2: I think you and I might have talked about this, but it was the fact that like Westbrook acknowledges where he is. And it was Mm -hmm. like so freaking clear when he was like, you know what? I'm going to take three million dollars because I love the city that I'm playing in. And I love the role that they have me in. And I'm playing better. And I know that I'm at the edge of my career. Like, yeah, that's it. Like, that's the difference. And Harden is similar age. And he's like you know what, I want to go back to being a square champion. It's like it cannot be seen any clearer.
1: So I say all that to say this. If it does not work out in in L.A., there's a real possibility that James Harden, as the, an infamous exit from the NBA, just like Allen Iverson, just like Stefan Marbury, guys that are their egos get too much in the way. Now, James, as of right now, is you know doing what he needs to do, and that's great. And uh, the hope is that he continues doing what he needs to do until he gets what he wants. But if he does not, Jonathan, we could be talking about James Harden getting maybe a, a mid level exception or a minimum deal this next year, or not even being in the NBA at this time next year. I think that's a hot take, but hey, I'm here for it. I mean, look. If you, the guy's given up on three teams in four years, who would want to risk major money for that? I'm sure there's a team out there. Is there a team willing to pay him enough for him to want to come out?
2: No, but I think I would, That's, you know, I don't know, but I, I'm going to say I would hope I think this year was humbling for him. Yeah, I, I don't think
1: <laughs> it has been. I really don't. <laughs> think, not. I I really don't think it has been. But we'll we'll have to wait and see on that. That being said, Jonathan, is there anything else you want to talk about, NBA wise, before we move out? I got one or two things that I want to talk about. But Dude, I'll we give didn't
2: touch point. on Embiid. We didn't touch on oh, Embiid.
1: You're right. I forgot about that. We got so wrapped up in the James Harden thing. Dang yes. it, James. Anyway, so. As you guys notice, when I mentioned the 1 through 11, 100 through 11, I did not mention Joel Embiid. That means he's in the top 10. So, Jonathan, where do you think he lands in the top 10?
2: I think he's going to be three. Like, I would put him three probably. I could see them putting him four. Like, it's going to be Jokic and Giannis, I think one, two. I think Embiid falls right beyond that. There are players out there like KD, LeBron, I don't think should be above him at all. But ESPN loves them, so who knows? I think he should be third. What do you think he lands?
1: I mean, he's the reigning MVP. He, but, you know, Jokic is the finals MVP. So, Jokic, yeah. is, I, I believe Jok, I think we can agree that Jokic will, in all likelihood, be number one. Which means, yep. Joel's, I, you know, when I was making my top 100, I'm not going to lie, Figuring out where Joel was was one of the hardest parts of this. Really, it was, it was for because me because I don't think there's
2: that many options. Like he's not one, I, so I think he's, he's like not two. one.
1: I know, I know, and I'm not trying to spoil my top 100 here, John. Okay, so don't okay. don't make me do that. But yeah, I will say that I think he's a top three player. I will not say if he's two or three because I feel like that tips my hand too much. But. I feel like he's a top three player. Yes. So before, so now, now that we got in Joel out of the way, is there any other NBA stuff you want to talk about before we uh, cut out here?
2: I think the only thing is, I believe I heard today that Giannis and Dame will be doing their first preseason game on Sunday. So super excited to see that, just what that looks like. I'm sure they won't play a lot, but just wanted to put that out there.
1: Yeah, I think I heard that they were going to do it soon. That's pretty exciting. Two things that I want to talk about. First one is a kind of a somber topic. There is another warrant out for Miles Bridges for violating his. Is point. there really? There really is. I, I saw a local. I, first, it was NBA Central that tweeted it. I followed the Twitter handle where they got it from. It's a legit news website, local news website in Charlotte. He violated his parole. He's done. The, the, he he's never gonna have an NBA career again. He, he, he done mess he dumb messed up a Ron. Wow, that is somber. That is somber. But on a not so somber news, did you get to see Chet Holgrim versus Victor Wimbledon? Yes. together? Yes. That, that feels like the decks like Dirk versus KG type thing. But like even better because they're even more skilled than those guys.
2: Oh, dude, that looked so, it looked so great.
1: So after seeing that, what do you think about the two guys here, Chet and Wemby?
2: Uh, look, I think that they're going to, I honestly think that they're going to have this rivalry for a long time. I think you always don't know with like their size, their build, what's going to happen. But, Man, like, just seeing them go at it, they had some, like, a couple intense, like, going back and forth, respectful, of course. But I, I just think that, like, the NBA has got to be happy because LeBron and Steph, as much as you love them, they will not be here forever. I think you, lo- you love having Luka, Jason Tatum, those kind of players. But having these international with uh, with Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren, just two similar builds, two unicorns, honestly, in, the, in their skill set and the way they play – you hope they stay healthy. You hope this is a rivalry, maybe that you see for a while. I mean, look, the Thunder. I mean, who knows about the Spurs right now? But the Thunder—they were the nine or ten, right, in the playoffs last year, and they all have another year better. Plus, they got Chet Holmgren back. Like it's almost like adding a number one pick. I just think the Thunder are truly going to surprise people. Um, I'm just really excited to see how that kind of looks going forward.
1: Yeah, I I tend to agree. Um, you know. It's interesting because they don't play the same position right now. Wemby's still at the four. Chet, they're playing at the five, which I think is the right call for Chet. And right now for Wemby, it's probably the right call just because he's so thin of frame. He needs some time to bulk up, though he's already added a little bit of muscle. It feels like the NBA is starting to have the traditional big man rivalries coming back because. Which is great. Which is great because we haven't had that since the 90s. I mean, who did Shaq have? What, young Dwight, big country? Like Shaq didn't, you know, prime Shaq with the Lakers? There were no, I mean, Tim Duncan, but he played out of position, right?
3: Yeah. So,
1: you really, this is like, you you already have Joel and Jokic that can carry this, you know, big man, like giant versus giant for another five to seven years. Right. And then when they start the fade, these two guys should be entering their prime. And I'm not saying that there won't be a rivalry before them, but their team should be ready to contend at that point. And these two guys should be entering their prime. Yeah. Which side note, I don't think that, uh, you know, Greg Popovich is going to coach for all of Wimbenyama's. You know, hopefully, long career.
2: No way.
1: <laughs> no way, right? So, you know who's currently in San Antonio right now?
2: Are you about to say Brett Brown?
1: I am about to say Brett Brown. <laughs> Look, I mean, Brett Brown did a great job developing Joel Embiid. I don't think that's a, a far cry to say. No. Now he has Wemby, and you know, obviously Brett and pop have a great relationship so why not let brett take over all the other guys that were quote-unquote ready to take over for pop are gone you know maybe Bruton i think Holzer i comes think that back, brett but...
2: absolutely deserves another shot at coaching so i mean i'd love to see that i think that would be great
1: i i think that would be fantastic that's a good fit i think and you know what? They, he has the silver hair. So he already has like, you know, he just he's not quite as bald as pop. And that's OK. So it's it's all good. It's all good. It's all but, good. Well, what one last thing? And this is definitely a shot at Chris here because he's going to be on the podcast next episode. By the way, guys, we are recording our two hundred and ninety ninth episode. Yep, Isn't that crazy? But this is definitely a shot at Chris. And I'm sorry, Chris, but your predictions about Kai Jones being a really good center in the NBA look really bad at this t- point in time because he's a first-round pick, right, Jonathan? This guy got cut after requesting a trade after being ha- after the team having him stay away from the team because of what
2: appears to be mental health issues. So, yeah, that's why I feel like it's like a little early to touch on that topic. I know it's a little early, but I'm just
1: going to say it does not look good. That being said, Jonathan, let's close this thing out.
2: Yeah, guys, as Lucas said, we're coming up on our 300th episode. We're not going to be on on Sunday. So the 300th episode will be one week from today. We're bringing back Chris. We'll also have another special guest coming back. I'll let that one sit so we can be a little tease. And just to take another quick shot of Chris before he comes out, comes back. (laughs) We are also going to be starting our fantasy Basketball podcast or fantasy basketball league, which I know not no one cares about that, but it'll be fun to take shots at Chris who did not win last year, even though he thinks he had the best team. Um, but we really hope you guys enjoy listening to us. Please join us next Wednesday. Uh, you'll love hearing all the guys back and it'll just be a really good episode to celebrate 300 episodes, which is an amazing accomplishment. Lucas has been here for much more than me. So good job on that. Um, in addition to that, please continue to read our work at the Sixer Sense podcast. The season is two weeks away and a lot of articles coming up. Who knows what's going to happen with Harden? Hopefully that's resolved. Please listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, anywhere else that you listen to your podcast. And until next time, go Sixers.